0: Hi everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and welcome to episode 11 of the I Suck at Jiu Jitsu show. So I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, I did an interview a few days ago uh, with someone named Eli Knight, a lot of you are probably familiar with him he's very big in the uh, youtube jiu scene he posts a lot of good content he does some other stuff on instagram uh has a few different instructionals out and and we get into all that we talk about it a lot uh big thing that you'll notice about ui knight if you watch his videos is he has a, a mixture of both sport and self-defense based jujutsu, and it's something that was really interesting to me because a lot of times you see people in Jujutsu and they deal in absolutes and they uh, focus on one or the other. I don't think there's a problem with focusing on one or the other. But it was really interesting to me to get to talk to somebody who deals with both you know, and uh, likes to kind of go back and forth between both and you know, and look at the similarities. And so we talk a lot about that. We talk uh, a little bit about the old days of Jujutsu. This guy has been doing Jujutsu since the 90s. And you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, there weren't a lot of white guys doing jujitsu. You know, and you know he was he was training then, and he was uh, still seeking out jujitsu. And it's fun to hear his perspective about that, and um, you know, go from that to being such an instrumental person in the information age of jujitsu. So, um, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You know what I mean? you can, you can All right, sweet. So, recording is started for those of you listening in. We have been trying for the last uh, 15 minutes to get the call, but I am uh, a little bit technology inept, which is great if you are trying to start a podcast. <laughs> but uh, I have uh, my guest, Eli Knight, today. Eli, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really good, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I am, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, being able to talk with you a little bit. We have, uh, you know, somebody who has been around jujitsu for basically forever in America. <laughs> I mean, really, one of the earlier guys to to start training in America
1: I'm sure. Uh, yeah, there there weren't a whole lot like back back then. I mean it was it was like a uh, seeing a purple belt at least like where I'm from. I mean, you know, cuz I'm in Kentucky. So, I always say I'm geographically challenged, you know, like I, I every anything back then in the 90s for like Gracie Jiu Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it was on the coasts. You know, it's like East Coast or West Coast, and so Middle America, there there weren't a whole lot of people doing it. There were just I didn't know about them either. So, I, I when did you start training? Um, I, I could say like for actual Brazilian style Jiu Jitsu um, or Gracie Jiu Jitsu was ninety, probably five ninety six something like that maybe.
0: I was, I was one year old and man, I started training in 2008 and still besides my coach seeing a purple belt or a brown belt, you didn't see very often,
1: you know, yeah, it still, was, it was still like that for a, a very long time. I mean, and, um, it's, it's crazy because it, it kind of grows like, uh, you know, exponentially, I guess that's probably not the right way to phrase that, but it, it, it does. It's like this precipitous kind of growth that it's had over just the last few years, you know, and I think a lot of that is probably because, well, obviously the information is is just more out there now. Um, there's a lot of, of of access to information, like through, you know, social media, through YouTube, stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's people that students had students had students and just kind of grew that way. That is, that is so true. So how did you get your start in jujitsu? I was doing, um, I was doing other martial arts um, and like after like a short stint with Taekwondo, I started with, with jujitsu. That was a different style of jujitsu, obviously, um, because we, we didn't have real access to like a Gracie jujitsu. And I was with um, that. We, we kind of gradually transitioned. Like I, I was on the verge of getting my black belt in that style of jujitsu by the time that we really started transitioning into like more of the. Um, brazilian style for lack of a better description you know so it, it was kind of a, a gradual thing so it's kind of hard to really pinpoint when i could say i started doing gracie jiu-jitsu but that's that's kind of how it went um and you know because after seeing you know the the display that hoist put on in the early ufcs we were like well oh we're doing jiu-jitsu but we're not doing jiu-jitsu like so you know it, it kind of i i think that whenever that happened, the early days of the UFC happened, everyone in the martial arts world and the martial arts community worldwide had to take notice of that. And, and they could either do kind of one of three things. They could either say, um, okay, what we're doing is not realistic or not valid or not effective, and we need to switch over to doing Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Or they may say, what we're doing is effective, but we're lacking something very significant, and, and we need to take notice of of jujitsu and incorporate it into what we're doing, or they could just bury their head in the sand and say, "Well, of course we couldn't get in the UFC because our techniques are too deadly and our pressure points will yeah. kill everybody, and so you know that that's why we can never fight that way."
0: Wait, so you're telling me that they're not they're not death touches? Oh,
1: they absolutely are
0: for sure. Oh, okay. I was yeah. just making sure. Yeah. I, did, I didn't. I didn't say that. Might end the podcast right there.
1: Well, you know? no. See, I, I can't. I can't talk very much about those though because the 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 secret organization I belong to where we we probably have you know what I've said too much let's just kind of move on and, okay uh, how about I just edit this out and we just oh hey Eli how are you doing man it's great, great. <laughs> how you doing, Josh?
0: No, so so on this on this um I, I'm I'm just curious on this uh more traditional jujitsu that you were training um
1: in your best words how could you describe what that was You know, here's the thing, and this is why, um, I don't really, I'm, I'm, have a difficult time these days calling it like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I always had like a little bit of difficulty with that. I understand why everybody understands kind of why, because Gracie family is really the one who brought this to the the forefront and, and the the training methodology, the teaching methodology of jiu-jitsu was from the Gracie family, um predominantly and they're brazilian so you know brazilian jiu-jitsu but jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu i mean the and and the gracie family the biggest thing that they have done um isn't isn't recreating or or making something new it was just it was the way that it was trained it was from the old days of of judo and jiu-jitsu coming you know from japan via brazil and spreading worldwide it's just that they really revolutionized the training methodology and the teaching methodology of, of giving information and so that that's why you know it's what we saw um we saw like a lot of the same things there's a lot of the same techniques whenever i saw this the self-defense portion of gracie Jitsu, i was like oh okay this makes so, so much more sense than the way that we were training not not that there was a new wrist lock or a new shoulder lock or a new way to to take someone down or whatever it was just This is a lot more functional, effective, efficient way of putting these things together, and also like the way that the way that you could train it more live energy, live resistance. That was the biggest uh, element of it that really made it more effective. So, you know, we we had in more traditional jujitsu most all the same things were still there. It was just how it was put together, how it was taught, how it was trained that uh,
0: that that makes a lot of sense, I think, because I think um you know you always hear certain martial arts claim, "Oh, well, we just take what we like from other martial arts that's always a really common thing, right. and I, I mean, to an extent, all martial arts probably do that, you know um yeah, but in jujitsu you know that was kind of you know, I guess you know they took what they wanted from jujitsu and started to almost systematize um some of the you know, some of the different techniques and, and different things.
1: For sure. And I, whenever I um, teach, I, there, there's plenty of things that I teach and um, show and train that it, cause like, you know, I, I make YouTube videos. I don't know if you've heard about that, but like I, I make a, a video sometime and it'll have um, a takedown or a lock or a, a whatever. And somebody in the comments will inevitably say, that's not jujitsu, that's catch wrestling that's not jujitsu, that's judo, that's this, that's that. And it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, it's, is it effective? I mean, is it? Yeah, the biggest thing, the reason why I call what I even do jujitsu anymore is because it's done through the lens and through the paradigm of jujitsu methodology. And what I mean by that is that it's done with the most emphasis on effectiveness and efficiency is done, you know, using natural kind of um, like movements that de- they don't take like a high degree of athleticism necessarily to be able to pull, be pulled off against somebody more athletic or, or bigger or stronger. I mean, these are all kind of the tenets of jujitsu. And so if I'm showing something that this double leg looks more like, you know, a folk style wrestling than it does, uh, you know, judo or whatever, yeah. then, it's still to me jujitsu. I'm not. I'm not trying to repack,age repurpose, or plagiarize anything.
0: But yeah, but I I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Like, um, I mean, really, what double leg doesn't come from wrestling? You know, and oh, for sure, we yeah. we use it in jujitsu all the time, and say, yeah, this is this is a jujitsu move.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that the double leg is a really good. Um, it's a really good, like, technique to really pinpoint the influence of other um, systems and styles on Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Because, I mean, it, they're depending on what Gracie family member you speak to, maybe, but, like, you know, in the early days, you had, you know, had, you had the guys like Hicks on a whole, especially going around to, they, they didn't have, like, a lot of um, opportunity for, like jiu-jitsu tournaments and jiu-jitsu competitions so they would go to what like sambo they would go to judo they would go to wrestling and and they would compete against these guys and you know they were very open-minded and they were like well if this is this is a very effective move you know we're going to incorporate this and that's that's a brilliant approach you know like it when you find something that that works that's effective you know regardless if you want to be too much of a, a blind patriot to your system or your style, you're going to be ignorant not to incorporate that if it's going to be an effective way of doing something. You know?
0: Yeah. That, that makes a ton of sense to me. And so while we're already kind of on the subject as has evolved, um, it has probably, you know, I wouldn't say probably, I mean, it's definitely, there's more people training, Jiu-Jitsu as a sport than as you know maybe from a self-defense perspective i,
1: would, uh, I definitely say that for sure
0: yeah and and so um i just kind of want to get your because you're somebody who i i feel like isn't necessarily one way or the other you know i watch your videos on youtube and sometimes they are you know sport jujitsu things and then sometimes they're very self-defense sometimes they're weapon defenses but <laughs> um i just kind of wanted your opinion on um what do you how do you kind of feel about that, that uh, maybe the gap that people are kind of drawing or the line people are trying to draw between self-defense jiu-jitsu and sport jiu-jitsu?
1: Um, man, I, I feel a lot of ways, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there's 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 a it's so there are certain things. I mean, like you, as long as people are are intellectually honest about what it is they're doing and what what it is that they're doing's um effectiveness and in what kind of context i think it's all great man i mean if you if you want to have a strictly sport approach to things then that's awesome you know but don't don't like don't discount everything that's not of your paradigm you know that that's where most of the the argument is fallacious most it's it's mostly not people out there saying you know uh, you should only be doing self-defense and the sport is an abomination or, you know, you should only be doing sport and self-defense is a joke, you know, and Uh there are, there are definitely people out there doing it. I don't think it's as prevalent as people may think in the community, but it does exist. Um, And, you know, it's, I, I have a deep appreciation for all things jujitsu for the most part. And, you know, I grew up probably a little more, um, foundationally in the fighting kind of, um, self-defense realm of it, uh, versus, you know, this, cause the sport is still a very young sport it's still Mm -hmm. really in its infancy and, and it's evolving so fast, you know, and it's very cool for me to see, like, I, I, I have a deep appreciation, like I'm, I'm all about, you know, looking up what reverse de la worm guard is you know i don't yeah i'm, I'm yeah. fascinated by every innovation that's out there um but at the same time it's like you know it, 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 there there is um an element where these lines get kind of blurred and where there does start to be, become kind of a um, some argument and some overlap and it's whenever you're like, OK, if you just train hard enough, if you just like go in and you just train hard enough and you're training with resistance and you're training against good people and getting technical, then that's going to be plenty. And, you know, for in a big portion, that's correct. You know, most you take the sportiest of the sport guys and he's going to be able to handle himself in a street fight most of the time. Yeah. You know, nobody is stupid enough to think, um, you know what, I'm going to try a flying arm bar on this concrete. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on. You know, yeah. It's that that that's not a real thing, so most of the time that's going to be correct, but there are definitely um, variables involved contextually that that need to be made if you're training for self defense you know and so it is a disservice sometimes. I try to make it clear whenever I'm showing something that, that this is going to be something that's going to be a little more for a self-defense context. This is going to be something that's a little more sportive context. You know, you probably don't want to try this because you're going to get punched in the face a whole lot whenever you're in this position if you're doing this for self-defense. If it's not clear, you know, and, and I try to make sure that I try to make it as clear as possible, you know, to, to students and to people that I'm sharing things with. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I, I've completely deviated from the original question, but that's <laughs> <a> tangent, <so. laughs> it was
0: it was very much a very broad question. And, and I think it was because it, it's something that is really interesting to me um, to see the people that say um, one way or the other, you know, that yeah. say, you know, sport jujitsu is trash or, you know, and these guys would never be able to defend themselves on the street, you know, right. and things like that. Um, I, think, I think maybe a lot of people don't realize that, you know, at first jujitsu was to fight, you know, like it was to be in a true fight and how to defend yourself or win this fight. And then people started to kind of competing against each other, you know, as as you're competing. I mean, there, there's nobody in my gym, I, it, to my knowledge, that thinks that they're going to have to deal with passing De La Riva guard if they're in a fight. You, right. know, if, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if somebody, you know, if they're at a bar and somebody's like going to go out and pull guard on them and, you know, yeah. try to heel hook them, that's not most likely that's not going to happen. You right. know, and yeah. um, I think, I think that, you know, from the, the self-defense perspective, what they see sometimes is people will come into class day one and the first thing that they're learning is to pass a Leiva guard. Sure. And so I, I can see the argument being, mm. "Hey, they don't have that base of knowing what to do against somebody who doesn't know jujitsu." You right. know, yeah, no, and, and so, that,
1: that's that's absolutely a big concern for sure.
0: So uh, for you, if you were going to just kind of split your training, do you kind of just, I mean, do you just train jujitsu in general, or do you train specifically? Hey, we're going to train with. IBJJF rules today or we're going to train with gloves today or like how do you kind of split your training?
1: Well, like it, it kind of does it for me just because I, I've been doing this for, for so long that the way that I have um, between the lessons that I teach, the seminars that I teach, the classes that I teach, um, I, I have to delineate those things so much because whether if I'm doing like a, a no-gi class then, you know, sometimes we'll, we, I tend to keep it a little bit more MMA uh, jujitsu, you know, like stuff that's going to have that more of a consideration rather than um, uh, overly sportive submission grappling context. Um, yeah. So that, you know, now whenever I, I get together from my own personal training, um, then typically I'm, uh, if I'm in the gi, then I'm, I'm trying to at least adhere a little bit more to IBJJF style rules because well, we're in the gi, you know, I mean, we, when I having said that I will show, you know, some like self-defense things, um, in the gi that will be imitative of how we might use clothing in a self-defense situation, you know, because, well, that can be fun too, but, yeah. uh, you know, so it's, we, we will do that, but I try to compartmentalize the training as best I can. And I'm fortunate enough to have uh, a schedule that's, Fairly conducive to it just based on the student body and, and the training partners and the environment that, that we've fostered at the academy that I teach at. So, you know, I try to, I, uh, I don't, um, now if I, if I were going to do a competition, which I haven't competed in probably like two years, um, and if I were going to do a competition, obviously I'm going to like spend the overwhelming majority of my training time prepping for that with a rule set and everything else that I'd be stupid not to, yeah. but for, for maintenance and for my own personal growth, um, you know, I'm kind of in this for the long haul. So I don't make sure that I do, you know, a thousand reps of, uh, the certain kind of like self-defense move every week or anything like that. It's, but I, I do make sure that I don't lean so far in another direction that it's like, man, I haven't you know, practiced this particular, Thing in you know six months or something crazy. So,
0: yeah, um. that that makes sense, and I think maybe it's it's pretty common for people to you know to to not realize that jujitsu is a very style based thing. You know, my, mm-hmm. my coach Kyle, he um, while we, you know a lot of his training when he was a purple belt, he was really focused on MMA, and mm-hmm. so as he went to brown and black belt he was still very focused on MMA. So his gi jujitsu game. Is still very get on top, you know, being able to pass off of his knees and smash pass and keep that head close, even though nobody's punching him anymore, it still right. works. For sure.
1: Yeah. And that, that's the thing. That's the beauty of it. There are, there are techniques. And this, this is something that, in, in my like personal direction, that I, I try to go more than anything, is I try to find the, the, the technical approach that's going to have the most cross applicability among like every like modality that you can, you can come across. So, um, I've got a a pretty good side control bottom, like series I've been working on for a number of years that that I, I teach in a lot of seminars and stuff and people, it's usually always very well received. And so I keep on doing it and I've been keeping trying to refine it and getting a lot of feedback and a lot of other people like helping me with it. And the thing I like about it is because like gi or no gi, it's pretty much the same you can vary the grips a little bit for Gi, but like it's pretty much the same sequence, you know? And it really, it's really very kind of easy to follow. And it keeps you, if, if it were more of a uh, context in which you could punch, it's going to keep you fairly safe from, you know, like devastating strikes. And so like, whenever I find things like that, that's that's the the most fun, the most interesting jujitsu to me is things that like are going to be virtually the same across every platform that you can put it in that,
0: that that makes a lot of sense and i know that um you know you do you know a lot of different uh, you know weapons training and things like that so i obviously i had to bring it up <laughs> what about the barambolo gun takeaway defense
1: that is um you know it, it's it's proven uh 100 you said yeah you said if- I, I watched the video it, yeah. it works 100 percent of the time. So, how
0: often do you pull that um, that Berimbolo gun takeaway off? Like, uh, just say on a weekly Whoa. basis.
1: Uh, weekly, I mean, you know, it depends on how much travel I have. You know, because if I'm going to rougher areas, I say at yeah. least 14 times a week. Um, that I've I've that. successfully, you know, saved not just my life, but anybody in the general vicinity of the gunman. I've probably saved hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of lives with that <laughs> that, that particular
0: may- technique. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. If if someone is listening and they do not know what you're talking about, I really think it is worth pausing the, yes. the, the podcast right now. And what yeah. would they search to
1: find it? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's a good question. Uh, probably, uh, I wonder if you could type in 100% guaranteed street lethal and it would come up. That would be really cool. Probably, um, probably Eli Knight gun disarm. It might come up.
0: I'm not sure. I will check it right now. <laughs> yes, and, I'm going to check
1: it too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and see if we can pull it up. Um, darn it, you, you have some actual gun disarms too. Better oh, know. <laughs> yeah. Those are, are still I, up. Uh, I
1: meant to take those down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it will, uh, I will find it for sure just so we have, just so we have uh, you know, are able to, to tell people. Oh. But you also have. Actually so if,
1: you, uh, if you type in one hundred percent guaranteed street lethal gun defense <laughs> it's all right the number one result <laughs> so.
0: all right awesome I like that um, oh. you also do have you know you do you do um, different weapons training and I was curious uh, where does kind of that come from where do you um where do you kind of get your base in
1: you know being able to do because i right now you have a bjj fanatics is it knife defense no no that one's not with bjj fanatics it's with um it's actually with aperture I, It was a group that i was like i was with i'm not i'm not actually associated with that that group any longer um for different reasons but i i did do two volumes of um what they're called as bladed grappler um i will yeah. say i didn't i didn't name it uh, i don't really like the name sounds a little silly to me, but it's, it's a great, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm happy about the material. I'm, I'm, i really stand by that material because that material was like a lot of, of work to go into that over years, like of, and and it was, you know, it was based off of um, part of it was like Filipino martial arts training really kind of put my interest in understanding about that kind of thing. But then also like I, I, I see too, like, you know, I think that weapons defense stuff is you know, for the most part, like, you can, you know, find a lot of very dangerous, unrealistic, like, careless stuff out there about how to defend if somebody has you at gunpoint or somebody's trying to stab you or something like that. And I mean, because, like, let's be honest, I mean, that is an extremely crazy, dangerous situation. And your likelihood of surviving that kind of situation, no matter what you train and how hard you train, is low. It's just low. I mean, because it's it's not a matter of there's just different tactics to fight somebody that has a weapon it's a that's they're they're calling force multipliers for a reason you put you put a knife or a gun in the hand of like a monkey and you're gonna be in danger you know (laughs) i mean you you put it in a 10 year old kid's hand and you're gonna be in danger so what what my idea like um and I was asked about this. I was asked about this topic. I was approached about making, you know, what, what, what about a knife in ground grappling? You know, and I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, and at first, the, prim- the idea was, you know, how could you use a knife, like, offensively in ground grappling? I'm like, I wouldn't. Never like approach that subject at all. Like, is what? Why would I want to do that? You know, I mean, what it's just the premise didn't make sense. There were too many, too many caveats, too many disclaimers you would have to throw on that material in the very beginning. So, I would say though that it it does seem realistic to me that one would find themselves in a fight. And, um, what I say is either through lack of intention or lack of ability, that person had a weapon and it wasn't able to pull it until the fight was already underway you know and so you know like a big criticism of of like grappling of, of jiu-jitsu um, it's not a valid one but it's a big one is okay well you don't want to go to the ground in a street fight because multiple opponents and weapons and whatever else and it's like well yeah okay well but the fight goes where the fight goes and jiu-jitsu like the kind of the the getting the fight to the ground is actually going to make it a lot easier to defend against somebody who's bigger and stronger than you. That's just kind of fact. I mean, it's almost fact at this point. So um, the thing that I, the approach that I took on it that I felt comfortable with was saying, okay, well, what happens if, you know, this person does pull a knife out in the middle of things on the ground? My, answer to that for the most part was the positional hierarchy and the way you transition through the positional hierarchy of jiu-jitsu already accounts for a lot of that you already do a pretty good job of monitoring the person's core movements uh, like uh, you know watching their waistline feeling their waistline because you know you're most of the positions that you're in when you think guard mount, back mount, like you're already monitoring their waistline you know yeah. they can't even access something like in their pockets or, or whatever um so you know there are obviously like Positional considerations that do need to change based on if they have a weapon in their hand versus if they're just trying to punch you or they're just trying to grab you. And so that was kind of what we talked about in that that material. But the thing that I want people to, to understand about that, and I don't know how to like get it across to, to people who, who are just approaching it, but it's just to tell them that it's just jujitsu. You know, I mean, it's it, there, there are changes in focal points, there are changes in, in little modifications of the position, but it's still... Moving through the positional hierarchy, still the same kind of pins, still the same kind of whatever. The main emphasis that's different is on do we have to subdue this person a different way to get this weapon away from them? Or what are our opportunities to safely disengage and get the hell away from the person? And those are two things that get overlooked um, a lot of the time. So,
0: anyway. That is, yeah, that, uh, man, I like, I like how you phrased that, um, just about like, that it's still jujitsu, you know, and I think, you know, I think pretty much, you know, in any sense of life, if you, you know, especially, you know, if you're a black belt in jujitsu, anything that's physical, you're going to try to use jujitsu, you know, in it, you know, For like sure. sometimes I'm carrying groceries in and I'm, you know, pulling guard on them just to get them inside, you know, so it's <laughs> just, you're always going to use jujitsu, you know, it's just like if I go to um, a chiropractor, they're going to, Prescribe me like you know hey you need some stuff popped and then you're going to be good if i go to somebody who's a black belt in jujitsu they say hey you know i'll show you i'll give you jujitsu and it'll fix it you know right. it's yeah. it, it, it's kind of the answer for us but you also you just did bring up something i wanted to talk about was um jujitsu versus multiple attackers and i know yeah. that you have a really interesting
1: story um kind of regarding this and uh yeah. You know, yeah, so, I so actually, um, talked about this with uh, uh, with Chewy. We did a video together, me and, and Nick Allen. Yes, that's. I and, think
0: that's where I heard it.
1: Yes, and, and this was this was a really interesting story. It's it's one of my favorite ones to talk about, and it's not it's not like uh, because it's 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 real. You know, it's like a very realistic and actually happened um, account. And what I mean by that is it's not like you know. Uh, jiu-jitsu like save the day like bruce lee versus the the karate school that he went into or whatever or yeah. i think that, that's actually a judo school maybe i don't know whatever it was I, um, is
0: that the one where where bruce lee
1: um tore up the painting and then made everybody eat it yeah <laughs> i think he, he definitely did something with a painting that i think it was the chinese connection i and, think that uh, would have been it yes yeah <laughs> that, that was a great movie so um anyway Way that, uh, the story goes that uh, a buddy of of mine, um, he's in the Air Force. Um, he was stationed in uh, Las Vegas, actually, and um, he was out somewhere with a friend of his. They were having dinner. It was like maybe a sports bar, like an Applebee's type place or something. They were at one of these high top bar stool tables. Um, his friend had apparently like gone to the bathroom or something, and he he was sitting at the table alone. Three guys approached him, and they were belligerent they were angry they were like you know uh, just accosting him and they were they were talking to him about saying you know you got us you got us kicked out of the club or something like that earlier there was a case of mistaken identity they thought that he was somebody or they were just looking to start a fight whatever was the case so you know he's seeing three guys approach him he's feeling you know this vibe and um he then he hears something behind him and wonders if there's is there another guy and turns around briefly as he turns back one of the guys Punches him in the face, knocks him off of his like bar stool, and now he's on the ground. And these guys, these three guys, swarm him, and um, you know, punching and kicking him. And uh, one of them gets close enough, and he's now, granted, he's taken a lot of damage by this point, so he's very lucky he didn't lose consciousness or or sustain worse injuries. But um, he said one guy got close enough, and he had a, a like a polo shirt. It was like a collared shirt on. And He said, "Man, I just." and he hadn't trained jiu-jitsu in years but he's like man i just saw that collar and i thought you know what uh he 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 had a flashback to just a cross-collar choke and he stuck his hand in that collar and grabbed the other side pulled the guy down on top of him and so he's like you know i'm i'm thinking about choking the guy but then i'm finding out he's turning into a pretty good human shield (laughs) and so he's (laughs) he's actually kind of blocking himself to where the other guys can't get great shots on him without hitting their buddy you know so as he's holding him here, he's like, you know, he, I feel the guy pass out. I feel the guy go to sleep. He's like, but I'm not going to let go because this is my shield, you know? So yeah, he said in, a, in an order for one of the guys, either tried to pull the guy off of him, um, his friend off of, of my friend, or uh, he just got close enough to try to get around so where he could hit him better. He said he reached up and grabbed that guy by the hair because he had kind of like uh. longer hair and like slammed his head into like uh, the base of the table and kind of, days that guy so he's got one guy unconscious one guy dazed, and the other one i guess just decides to cut his losses and and, yeah it kind of takes off so you know it's not the optimal way to use jujitsu in a in a multiple attacker scenario but if there is such a thing but it was a really cool kind of case study about how that choke was very effective you know yeah that Um, that makes it reminded me though, because I was telling that story, I've told that story so many times, but it, was, it reminded me too that, uh, I go into, uh, like a, I went to a camp back in the late nineties and Grandmaster Elio was actually at the, at the camp and we were, had kind of like story time and, you know, some, and it was kind of a Q and a slash story time. And they asked him, they asked Grandmaster Elio about multiple attackers and Horion was translating for him at the time. And, um, so they were kind of had a back and forth. And I remember Horian saying, like, you know, he, he's like, I'm trying to describe this, uh, this is Horian speaking, I'm trying to describe this the way that he's saying it, but he said, he basically, he would be like a little cockroach. And he's like, he's like, I'm I'm gonna, you know, if the guys are piling on top of me, he's like, I'm gonna choke this guy out, I'm gonna choke that guy out. <laughs> and it, it, it reminded me kind of of my, my buddy's uh, story because it sounded like a weird approach at the time, but then I was like, oh man, that really happened, so. <laughs>
0: yeah i i think i think now we uh you know in jujitsu a lot of times people see you know um the i guess i i i don't know i wouldn't say professionalism because it would you know it would almost be um kind of a weird word to use but maybe um just the kind of family friendly nature of henner and huron who really <laughs> carry that gracie flag and yeah. um they don't realize that those guys were fighters, you know, those guys oh, before yeah. them, they fought, you know, and yeah. it's, it's really cool to hear those stories about like, uh, you know, that they were, you know, they were fighting and they were, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just, uh, you know, show up and slap bump and, you know, grapple.
1: Oh, that's the thing. And that, that's, I think that that's um, a huge reason why, um, you know, I, I think it was a combination of the effectiveness of the old Gracie challenge matches and, you know, like saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take on anybody, anywhere, any, any style, you know, and, and, you know, watching those old Gracie challenge matches of, of, you know, those days combined with the personability of the Gracie family, you know, cause when you, when, you know, depending on who it all was, I mean, you look, look at these charismatic guys you know holding and gracie is one of the most articulate like just very polite uh people when you meet him and you know he was i mean he's a killer man i mean he's just trashing people in the 80s through 90s and you know you think about Hinzo, like he with a like larger than life personality and, and just how amazing you know like just talking to him and, and his energy that comes out of that guy and Henry and Huron, like you mentioned you know i mean it's they, it is, they, they make you feel very welcome. They make you feel uh-huh. very at home, very comfortable. And, um, you know, if you like, um, that's this one thing I always think about Hoyler Gracie. Like he, he's, whenever he pulls somebody up at a seminar to demonstrate something, he's like, he, he, he'll hold their hands or their wrists and like kind of shake them softly and be like friend just relax <laughs> relax you know it's like and it, I think that's a big part of it you know, all the way to the training aspect of it not just not just approaching people and getting on a good side but it's the training aspect of it too is that they want you to relax they want you to chill because you have to feel all the little subtle nuances of the movements and that, that most people are going to be too high strung, too tense too uh, over exerting of their energy and you know they they they've seen that i think as you know having so many negative repercussions from that tension and so to kind of dispel that tension in in every way you know they they want you to relax like that you know at first <laughs> that yeah, yeah and then they beat you up <laughs> that's uh,
0: that's really cool so you know you talked about some about jujitsu in the 90s um, what, like, if you could paint a picture, a word picture of what it was like to train jujitsu in the 90s, really before you had you know YouTube people like posting different stuff and you didn't have that
1: same access
0: to knowledge that you yeah. have now, what
1: was it like? Um, I remember we had a couple of VHS tapes, and I remember what they were too. Like, one was Fabio Jujia, and um, it was like, I I don't even know if it was the original tape it was probably like a a bootleg one um I had like an old uh Kazeka Muniz um VHS tape I had uh, uh, like a, a bootleg Sakuraba one a little bit later you know like from Japan it was all in Japanese you know but we didn't have much of any resources and these those were all like kind of like later on things too so the biggest thing that we had were um because you know we we didn't have a lot of direct time in the early days other than going to seminars um so we would you know make a road trip to a seminar and um, get a handful of techniques and then we would come back and we had you know little to no choice but to train those techniques until the next time that we we got to go see someone so um it was it was a slow route to take i mean it's uh, yeah i tell everybody I feel like the, the, the old man telling people, yeah, back in my day, you don't know how good you have it these days. Uh, but it, it is, it's like, man, if we had had something so readily available as like YouTube back then, oh my gosh, like I, it's crazy. That's why even now it's like, I'll, uh, I think anybody who says anybody who discounts YouTube as a resource or, or videos online, not even just YouTube, but, but video training as a legitimate resource or anybody who says they don't do it, then they're either a lying, (laughs) or they're just out of touch and they're just kind of burying their head in the sand. Like, uh, no, I don't, it's, it's not necessary. Like, you know, that's, that's just, um, there's not good information out there. I don't know what people would say to validate that, but it's, it's important now it is sometimes like wading through like a lot of crap to get to something good, you know, but it's, it's still, necessary but yeah back back then we we just basically did that so there was a lot of figuring things out on our own too we would travel a lot as much as we could you know having real lives but you know i was a teenager so other than school um and a part-time job sometimes like i i i could do that a little more and you know so a lot of it was just training you know if we had um you know a handful of techniques then we would go and we would just train the hell out of that handful of techniques.
0: Nice, nice. So you just, uh, did, did you have a big group that you trained with or like, who are you
1: training with? Not really, no, we, so when we started out, um, when I first started, it was uh, a small group of us, um, maybe like eight people. And that was inside of a karate school. And whenever we started growing a little bit more, 15, 20 people, and then the, the, the would be owner, um, started the academy that that uh, he started with uh, a few other individuals as kind of partners um you know we we got to where it was growing after a couple years like 20 30 people um and we didn't even start kids classes for a number of years like we it was like our third location that we moved to before we ever started kids classes and so you know it was just dependent on you know not the because yeah, anybody that runs an academy knows that kids are like the lifeblood of the academy most of the time it's generally the yeah. kids classes that that are the biggest shot in the arm so you know we we would we had a pretty good group of you know 20 30 people for a number of years and then you know eventually it started to grow more and more and when we moved to our our most recent location this was probably 2006 maybe i think we moved here and it it really Got a lot bigger. I mean, we went from having like sixty or seventy students to having like one hundred and fifty in a matter of like maybe a year. So it That's really, awesome. yeah, it got a lot, a lot bigger. So, but yeah, back in the early days, it was like a maybe a dozen of us tops that would get together and we would train. But man, it we had we were so passionate about it. The thing with getting a bigger academy that I've noticed over the years and, and getting a bigger student base is it starts to look more like a business, and yeah. it starts to look more like. Um, people want to come in and they want to like just do their hour or their two hours a week and then leave. And it's very much a hobby, like other things. But back then, man, we, and and even now too, I mean, but we were, I just wanted to be training all the time, you know? I mean, I was was young and young and like hungry for more information and to learn this. And I just fell in love with it. And we were all kind of like that. We had very passionate guys about it. We had, um, a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of, uh, Mike Pyle, he was a yeah. UFC fighter. He recently retired. And he was driving like an hour and a half or so or more from Dresden, Tennessee to up to us in Paducah, Kentucky, like two or three times a week, you know. And like just to, to come in and just train. And man, that he from day one, he was a monster. He was he was just a beast. One of the guys you can like show something and then he's gonna like tap you with it like later, you know. But mm-hmm. he you know we had we had guys that would like that that you know we just we we're all just wanted to get together and train if we weren't training we wanted to be training and you know just loved it
0: man that's that's a real that's really cool to uh you know to to can, kind of hear about that and, and i think you know now you know the, the example that i was given i forget who told me this but um we we're talking kind of about this same thought process of you know it was the typical you know old man Kids nowadays, they don't have, you know, or they they don't understand how, how great they have it. Right. And um, and I honestly, you know, I, I've been training since 2008. I still make, I still tell my, you know, students that, that like, man, there was just, there was less information. There was less people to train with. And, you know, at least maybe, you know, on the coast, maybe not. But, you know, I lived in Illinois, you know, and so yeah. I still do. But, you know, it, there was just less Um, information but the example that I was given was like hey you know you get taught to hunt for information you know and you you know and that is a more valuable lesson than anything because it puts you in a position to be able to learn other things you know if you're just taught and you're never having to um, be forced into the situation where the answer is not readily available you know it it really makes you you know, just having that, having to search makes you a better learner
1: for sure. Which, and that, which obviously salary, makes so. you better at jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at, at everything, honestly, I mean, because you, you, you learn to take that more, um, critical approach to it and it, and it does you you appreciate the information that you do find even more and that's the thing I always think about that this uh, Thomas Paine quote what you acquire too cheaply you esteem too lightly and like that's that's such a, a profound simple but profound statement and you see it exactly like that because you know if somebody can come in and you know I've got I may not have all the answers or, or even the best answers for certain things, but I, I've got a lot of good information that I've collected over a couple of decades now, and you know I'm like a second-degree black belt or something. And so, whenever a student comes in and they want to know about a technique or they want to know about a position or something, there's there's not a lot they're going to ask that's going to like stump me until you know. Of course, you know, like super advanced guys have been with me for a long time, maybe, but it they have that as a, a, a up close and personal. Resource, and not only that, you can type in a question in a comment section of a video, and you know probably going to get a lot of answers. Some might even be good. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> that and, that is very and, true. And, yeah, but it it is. It makes you really appreciate because you, we had to go out, we had to search for that information. I remember one of the very first seminars that I ever went to was uh, it was a Megaton seminar, and it was him and uh, Alexandre Dirzon, Um and Darazon was like a brown belt at the time and then uh, Megaton was uh, just a flat black I think and um, this was in Evansville, Indiana and so um, I remember going and I was like oh this is this is a seminar this is a pretty intense because it was like six hours uh, a two-day oh. seminar six hours each day and um, Megaton was a pretty big fan of conditioning um, <laughs> I I was not a big fan of conditioning. So like the first like two hours of the seminar were just uh, drills, calisthenics, like exercises, running, like we, it was boot camp for the first two hours. Like (laughs) it was intense. And, you know, then like an hour of like technique work after that two hours. And then we broke for lunch, came back, did like another hour of like conditioning stuff. And then like another hour and a half or so of technique and then rolling and it was like oh my god like this was intense like it was that was a a baptism of fire uh Uh coming from from somebody who was not a very physical or athletic person and um, my exposure to martial arts was nothing quite like that intense either. So, um, and you know, he was, he was doing it in some ways to make a point. I think um, in some ways too, we were kind of like cannon fodder for his competition team that was there as well. <laughs> we just kind of got lined up and like disseminated against these guys. Because I remember um, Jack McVicker was—he uh, was there. He was like a second degree, second degree. He was like a second stripe blue belt, um, and like. I don't know what he is now. I think he's like maybe fourth or fifth degree black. I, I maybe, think fourth. I think fourth. Yeah. Okay. But he, yeah. and I, I mean, at Blue Belt, he was a monster. Like it, it was, I had never seen something like him uh, to that point. And I was a white belt at the time, of course, but, you know, and I had very little exposure to like up close and personal anything. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy to see the levels of that. And you know, like I said back then, seeing seeing a purple belt back then was like seeing a unicorn. So yeah, to to, blue belts were highly revered back then, and um, you know, of course, Megaton being a black belt and you know a a man of his stature, (laughs) like Uh it was like as a scary individual.
0: (laughs) I uh, I actually I think my first seminar it might have been. Okay, that might have been my second seminar. I think my first seminar ever was a Jack McVicker seminar. He mm-hmm. came to our school, and but my second one was a Megaton seminar, yeah, and um, you know, like uh, I, <laughs> it was just it was a very
1: different thing.
0: You know, it, it is <laughs> it's hard to explain. And I and from what I hear is he's calmed down a lot from how his seminars used to be. But I've uh, heard the same, yeah. yeah. It, uh, man, he just one he is hilarious and uh, so that was really surprising to me i just didn't expect that i remember he showed um this takedown and it was just you know he's he's incredibly fast and he was showing it and he showed it really quick a few times and then he had us all try it and none of us could get it at all (laughs) and he comes back up and he goes hey you know everybody everybody in here you know i understand i was it was in um I was in Europe for a while, and it's summer over there, and so I got a lot of sun, and my eyes, they've gotten like a little bit lighter, and so you guys keep staring at my eyes and not staring at me doing the moves, so just stop (laughs) looking into my eyes and watch me do the moves, and uh, man, he just, he had a few really good, some borderline offensive, but really good, (laughs) good
1: lines. That was that was the part. (laughs) It was it was hilarious because like we we were running, we were doing like laps, and he was having us do these different, you know, like either like uh, like was it like karaoke? What's it called? A karaoke kind of like stepping Uh or or touching your ankles or high steps or whatever kind of drills. And (laughs) there were a a few guys from either a karate or a taekwondo school. I mean, one of like very stereotypical like (sighs) nineteen eighties. You Know, I like, had the headbands on, and you know, all the whole bit, and they're from Covert ties, it, it, basically. Yeah, basically. But it was, uh, it, it just it, him kind of somewhere between a stand up comedian and a drill sergeant, like just <laughs> ber- berating these guys because they just they, you know, they were looked very awkward doing some of the exercises <laughs> he was having us do. And yeah, just dropping F-bombs left and right. And it was, it was was cracking me up though, man. It was, it was, it was, that part was really awesome. It was a great experience in hindsight. Like I loved it at the moment. I hated it and I was like, oh, maybe this is not the martial art for me, but no, it was uh, (laughs) a great experience in hindsight.
0: That's cool. So um, at this point we have just a little bit of time left. Uh, If it's cool with you, I would like to play a game called take it or leave it. Are you cool with that?
1: i think so
0: yeah okay so how take it or leave it works is i will make a statement and you can either take it or leave it you can agree with it or disagree with it you know i would say like um a mcdouble is the best is the best
1: value for your dollar at mcdonald's and you would say (laughs) um let's see man i answer so many questions with it it either it depends or maybe but um, (laughs) I'm, i'm gonna take your word for it um because I haven't done the cross-price comparison versus size and quantity versus caloric intake. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna believe it.
0: Yeah, I was, that was just off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure actually that the triple cheeseburger is the, um, is the, the best value for a buck. But I think that one's on like the,
1: one of those discount menus, isn't it, yeah. Or yeah,
0: yeah, so, okay. Yeah, okay. so um, we'll just start out, we'll warm you up with this one. The day after Halloween is too early for Christmas decorations. Oh,
1: one hundred percent. Yeah, you're taking it. I I, I, so taking it means I agree with it. Yes, uh, meaning you agree with the statement that it's too. Completely agree with it. I think that uh, the proper time for Christmas decorations is approximately December twentieth. That's that's oh my, oh my (laughs) goodness, man. Oh man, I don't know about that. You're 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 an early decorator. Is that what you're telling me here?
0: I uh, so. I am not necessarily, I'm not super huge into actually decorating. I just hate doing the work. Um, But my wife decorate this year, oh, day after Halloween. And so I've been trying to get a lot of opinions about
1: it. So if if you would have asked me when my daughter was more like five to like, like three to eight years old, I probably would have been okay with uh, the early decorating or the early, you know, Christmas decorations after that soon. But you know, now I'm like I get a little bit more curmudgeon, you know, and my daughter's like 16 and so she's not really hardcore into, you know, the all that. But yeah. Also depends if it's snowing. See, so there's a lot of factors that go into this. If that it's cold yeah. and feels like it's snowing, but I mean if it's a mild out, you know, mild weather and all that, then yeah, it's too early. But oh okay.
0: I get it. I get it. <laughs> you you I get it. The weather decides it. I'm I'm into that. Okay. So go. yeah. All right. Next question or next statement. Take it or leave it geiju jetsu improves your nokki.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take it by like 57 to 43%. Okay? okay. <laughs> um I, I'm I'm really I've, I've thought about this a lot over the years and my opinion has waffled back and forth and it it also changes with the complexion of of jiu-jitsu at the time and so i i spend more time these days training no gi than i do with the gi. Um and i hope that like hoist crazy doesn't hear that but like <laughs> yeah. he, no, I, I think he's a listener so okay, okay. well um but no I, I think that that it definitely can for sure it just depends um you know if you abide by certain rules in the gi like if you're going strictly in the gi, going by IBJJF rules, I'm not sure exactly how much it's going to enhance your no-gi training. Um, so that's why. That would that, be my caveat to that. But I'll take it because I think that there's a lot that it can do. It can definitely the friction involved, like slowing things down, making you really kind of map out your grips differently. Like a lot of it, there, there's plenty of evidence to support that statement. So I'll take it.
0: All right. I like it. All right. So take it or leave it. We will see jujitsu in the Olympics one day.
1: I will take it. I believe so. I don't know what rule set it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to look more like IBJJF Worlds or if it's going to look more like ADCC submission grappling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, just my opinion on it is I, I really hope we don't
0: see Jiu-Jitsu in the Olympics. Uh, I,
1: I get that. I totally understand what you're saying. I, I kind of feel yeah. the same way.
0: And I just, I just, I, I mean, I love how jujitsu is now that there are, you know, different rule sets and different, you know, all these different things. And I feel like it would kind of going to a Olympics might unify some of the rule sets that, you know, I, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather not see as much, you know?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean that it, whatever makes it to the Olympics, whatever rule set, that's going to that's going to whitewash everybody else because then everyone else is going to start training specifically for that rule set. So then if you know that could be like that could kill EBI rules that could kill, you know, a lot of other things. So that's a great point for sure.
0: OK, so this one, this one's an important one. All right. Take it or leave it. Your hair is better than Chewy's beard oh
1: man that's gosh again another one of those depends moments because I don't know his his beard is is epic it's the stuff of legends and it really is it it also kind of has stood the test of time because there's not a lot of videos you'll find with him beardless uh, whereas my hair I mean my like is as iconic as it's become it's <laughs> like it's not um there's still plenty of videos out there with, with variations of my hairstyle, and I'm currently growing it out, so we're going to see where this takes it. I'm, I'm aiming, though, to where the final evolution of my hair, if I'm not too old and it falls out first, is going gonna, gonna to overtake Chewy's beard. That's, okay. that's, goals, that's goals
0: right so, there. So basically what you're saying is the take it or leave it, you're going to hold off answering it until the final evolution comes of your hair.
1: I will give it to Chewy for now. Like he can have okay. the mantle for now. I'm just coming after it. Is all, that's all.
0: That, that makes sense. I, I really like. I really like the. Uh, really like the caveat there. You're he. He, you, he has you beat today. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's I right. get it. I get <laughs> it. All right. So last, take it or leave it or leave it question. Mm-hmm. White belts shouldn't be taunt leg
1: locks. Um, I will leave it think that that they should now um again i I gotta get my little caveat in there i can't just blanket state that i think it it depends like what the school is the focus is if you're i mean if you're running a competition stable and you're going to be playing ibjjf rules then no like not for a while they can they could better spend their efforts and time on things that are going to win them like tournaments the fastest um but if it's more of an all encompassing ty- type of approach to jiu jitsu, or if it's just a submission grappling thing, I think that, um, I think, yeah, the leg locks are a very important game. Like, I, I think learning the totality of it, my, that's, that's my opinion. I would say more likely than not, then everybody needs to learn about leg locks early. So, yeah, yeah, that's good.
0: Well, so that is, that is the end of our take it or leave it. And as long as you have time, I have one last question for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So scenarios like this, you're, let's say you're doing a seminar. I am a four stripe white belt. I raise my hand and I ask, how do you suck less at jujitsu?
1: Let's see. I I don't remember who said it. I I tend to, attributed to Kano, but I'm not sure. And it was like the, the it may have been Funakoshi, I'm not sure, but it was, what's the secret to mastering? Um, I think it was judo, because I believe it's a judo practitioner. And he's like in three words, it's never mispractice. And so that really sums up anything more is, is just focus, have clear cut goals. I mean, the the way to achieve anything in life and to get great at anything is to have, not just have goals, but have clear and concise goals. You know, you can't just say, I want to be better at jujitsu. It's like, well, great. You know, I want to be smarter. (laughs) You know, I want to be, I want to be better looking. I want to be, you know, better at this thing. Like, so it's about, um, it's about setting goals for yourself and going, From failure to failure with undiminished enthusiasm, you know, and because you're, uh, I think a big portion of it to be more specific is, um, I think one of the biggest things that you see a lot of people's uh, abilities take off um, is to get themselves in, you know, intentionally to some degree put themselves in bad positions more often you know um we all want to go in and we all want to win training you know and and we want to dominate and we want to be on top and we want to be the one catching all the submissions but you know um i was listening to uh, gary Tonin recently he was on um he was on a podcast I was listening to, and he he was talking about Gordon Ryan. He was like, you know, what, one of the things that makes that guy great is, like, if he wanted to go in and have a training session, like, 90% of the time where he just goes in and just smashes everybody and nobody can even get a decent, like, position on him, he could do it. But he goes in and always puts himself in bad positions. He always lets people, like, get the upper hand on him. And I think that that's, that's huge. You don't have a choice in the early days, in the early stages. Like, that's not even a choice. You're going to get there. But the thing is, is like once you can start dominating, people tend to get addicted to that, and um, they forget that what got them there, you know, what got them there was being in those crappy positions and, and and having people dominate them and having to work out of it, how to have to figure out how to survive and then ultimately escape. And that's that's a huge thing that I think people always need to kind of keep in mind is is keep that beginner's approach, and you know, don't lose sight of it. So and then just be consistent in training that is a really good answer thank
0: you very much for that and um that is pretty much going to be uh the end of the show but if people want to kind of stay connected with you keep
1: following you um how would they do that um uh, well i have a myspace account no oh No. yeah that's coming back man i feel it no um (laughs) Uh, YouTube is the biggest one like that's where I'm most active because I try to be consistent with my my content up on up there so youtube.com slash jujitsu, where I put up my videos and I try to respond to every comment I possibly can which gets a little harder with that many subs now but like it's I still yeah. do it um, my other one I'm most active on is Instagram and it's uh, night nightjujitsu it's like just type that in and search it because like, if it it's at night underscore ju underscore jitsu underscore so um but those are the two big ones, and then of course, I'm on Facebook, and I've got a patreon channel that would be awesome if anybody was were interested in that because I put actual class footage up there, so it, it operates as a little bit more of a outlined almost like a something you can follow along with more in the training that's it's a little more structured like classes um yeah, other than that that's that's my main social media aspects so
0: all right, and so um yeah so if people hopefully they will give you a follow give you a look Um, probably a lot of the people that are listening um, are familiar with your YouTube channel it's gotten really big over the past maybe year and maybe two years at this point but uh, it's really been growing and so um, I'm sure that a lot of people are familiar with that but if they aren't it is really great content I really do enjoy
1: uh YouTube I really channel. appreciate you saying that. And that, that means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that too. Like I don't, I don't have uh, any misconceptions about like it. I could wake up tomorrow and the whole channel is like gone from YouTube or something. So I'm just <laughs> I'm grateful for it <laughs> while it's there. So.
0: <laughs> for sure, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time. It was a great conversation, man.
0: Yes, for sure. Thank you also for being patient with the uh, technical difficulties in the beginning. No problem. No problem at all. All right, man. Well, you have a great rest of your day. All right.
1: You too, Josh. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, see you, man. I hope that you guys had fun listening to that episode. I know I had a lot of fun recording it. It was, for me, it was actually a first. I have done interviews with people that I know relatively well for this show. This is the first time that it was somebody that I don't know very well. I know Eli, but not to the same extent that I know my coach, right? And so it was really fun for me to get to do an interview that way because I was learning a lot about this person as you guys were. And so if you guys liked kind of the format I went with, I I changed up my format for interviewing just a little bit. Um, If you guys liked kind of the games that we played and uh, maybe a few of the standardized questions that we ask, I will keep going with them. But I won't know if you guys liked it or not unless you tell me. So if you enjoyed it, please shoot me a message on Instagram. The Josh McKinney is my Instagram handle. And uh, I would be happy to hear from you. If you have any suggestions about the show, I would be happy to hear from you guys. Uh, I want to I'm really having fun with it. But I also want you guys to have fun with it, too. I want you guys to enjoy it also. And then, because I am not uh, the best podcaster in the world yet, I just found out that you can like subscribe to podcasts. I had no idea. I had no idea that you could know when I post new episodes as soon as I post them. So if you guys are enjoying it, subscribe to the podcast, and then you guys are just going to know as soon as I post podcasts. Most of you are probably completely aware of this, but it was surprising to me. I'm excited about it. Maybe there's somebody else who's technologically challenged like myself, and you guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea about podcast subscriptions. And so if you want to do that, click the subscribe button wherever it is on your preferred podcast platform. And besides that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And I hope you guys suck a little bit less at Jujutsu.